Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Phil Woodring. He is a fine, fine percussionist, uh, kit player, drummer. He is also a writer. He writes songs for movies and uh, no more for commercials and like training videos and stuff. He is another one of those guys who sits in their little hole tinkers around all day and just sends out songs that people buy so they can put it in their ad or their training video or their movie or whatever the hell he has them for uh we talk all about that uh phil is a great guest he's a super smart guy and uh just it was a great conversation also phil is the drummer on uh, me and Rain, or should I say Raina and Eyes, or I should just say Raina Mystique because it's Raina's album. Uh, Raina Mystique, who is my wife, and I also write write music with her. We have a new EP coming out this Friday, January fourth, two thousand nineteen. They will the album will be available for downloads on iTunes or Google Music or whatever the hell it's called. Uh. Spotify, you can stream it on Google Music, Apple Music, all that shit. You can also, uh, you can buy it right off of our website. You can, uh, so all of that will be available through reinamystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E. Um, or, you know, you can go to iTunes or Spotify, you, 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 but, but go to the website, check it out. If you want a physical copy, I know there's still some left. There's some signed copies available still. I'm not sure how many are left. Uh, we had a lot of people buy those up, so we only got a few left of those. So get up on it. And that's R E I N A M Y S T I Q U E.com. Um, and Phil, uh, uh, Phil, I'm sorry, I don't have your website readily available, but it'll all be in the show notes for you guys to go and explore and hang out and do all that stuff. Also, write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. Tell us what you think, how we're doing, or um, if you don't like what we're doing, tell us that. Or if you want me to teach you English and you live in a non-English speaking country, you can write me too. I'll write you back. I'm nice like that. I, I actually do write uh, back to the people who want me to teach them English. So I, I like that. And and I tell them, you can hit me up anytime. I'll write some shit, but they rarely ever do. Also, I sent out a, my subscription um, email. So check your emails, check your spam, see if it went into there uh, and you're, you know, automatically delete. <laughs> it's just a little bit about the show. It's the first uh, newsletter I've ever sent out. So the first newsletter for my subscribers is out there. I think I'll also post it as a blog as well because I, I like how it sounds. It's kind of weird, but whatever. I'm not a writer. I'm a musician. Anyways, uh, you can go to we speak English good at uh, wespeakenglishgood.net, and that has been is rebuilt, and so there's still little bugs that we're working out, but the wespeakenglishgood.net is up, and it's new. It looks good, and you can do all we speak English good 
stuff there uh let me see oh yeah and also leave a review on itunes or uh or stitcher or wherever you get your podcast leave a review share the episodes uh write you know a review I, i've been getting more and more reviews and i'm so appreciative of that guys that's so nice um thank you very much so without further ado let's get over to phil and um i'm talking to him on facebook messenger we're just doing a phone chat on facebook messenger he's out in san diego california like i said phil plays drums on the music of uh for my wife's band rain mystique and the dynasty new album 1018 out this friday january 4th 2019 go to rain r-e-i-n-a-m-y-s-t-i-q-u-e.com and you know what to introduce phil let's just play a little bit of a song i really like the song two years just just play the intro to that okay bye i'll see you on the other side much phil for coming on the show man uh, um, i i know we've never really had a chance to really talk all that much outside of uh, of this situation and of course my wife's band but uh but i do appreciate you coming on the show and uh and i know you got a lot going on so w- let's just get right into it man we're, we're talking with phil woodring right is that how you say your last name yeah that's it yeah sweet and uh we're uh so tell me about uh, your lineage of music. Do you come from a musical family, or are you like the lone wolf, or how's that? <laughs> yeah, my my dad was uh, super musical. He was uh, he came up. I mean, he's one of those guys. He played like every instrument. I think he played like tuba in the marching band in high school, and then switched to drums, and then found you know keys, and he played like Hammond organ in like a like a rock and roll band. And then uh, by the time I came along, I say, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> by the time I came, by the time I came along, unfortunately he had like switched to pretty much just being like a church musician, which was always, I don't know. I was like, man, you can play all this like cool, like jazz stuff. And, and you're just doing like hymns and stuff. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, 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 uh, like the, like the give thanks and praise to yeah, Jesus, yeah, I mean, was, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I guess I guess his way into it was through like the the gospel thing, which you know a lot of you know there's always a lot of overlap between jazz and gospel and oh, all that yeah. kind of thing. Yes, there is. But you know, it's I'm like, man, you did all this cool stuff before I came along, and now you know, so it's so, all like liturgical. But <laughs> so he he went he went to God and uh, yeah, and left yeah. the secular world to be secular. Yeah, but uh, I got I got to hear him kind of throw. You know, we had all these organs in the house, and I got to hear him. I mean, he would he would just throw down like he really had chops. But wow. <laughs> but he just was like, um, I'm just gonna trade him in to, for C, G, and D. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And you know, I mean, he definitely kind of elevated everything he did. You know, yes. in the church too. But uh, so he got his. He he found. You know, I I always find. Because I've talked to a few people who have just like you know really went all in and then just was like you know what I'm just gonna play for Jesus now, 
And mm-hmm. there's something there's something beautiful about that where you just sort of give yourself to to uh, playing for others in in a way that really moves them, you know, spiritually. There's something to be said about that. I I, I feel like there's some kind of peace that 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 brings people who went hard and then is just sort of like settling into playing for Jesus. I don't know. Did your dad yeah. seem to get a lot out of that? Yeah, definitely. I mean. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's taken me a while to really kind of understand it. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I can appreciate it a lot more now that I'm older, kind of looking back on it, that, right. uh, you know, he was, he was kind of finding the, the, the truth in music, you know, when I didn't really understand what the truth in music is, which is, you know, kind of touching people emotionally and kind of communicating on a level that kind of... Uh, exceeds what language is is capable of but oh, totally. uh yeah you know when i was a kid i was just like let's play a bunch of notes and like <laughs> <laughs> more notes more yeah. notes yeah no i but, uh, i feel you man i feel you no it, that it, i i really do i think that's a beautiful thing and, and and like and i've had a hard time with that too where where i just my own views of of religion you know skew it of course i came up catholic going to catholic school and I very quickly became anti-Catholic and anti-religion in my younger years. But as I get older, you just sort of see that, like, people just want, you know, they just want some kind of comfort. You know, they've lived all this life and they just want to feel like there's something more to life than just, you know. Yeah. I mean, we're all just so. trying to get through the get through the day, get through the week. Right. And uh, everybody finds their own kind of things to help them with that. Some right. are more positive than others. So. No, for sure. For sure. Because, <laughs> you know, the burden of knowing that you're going to die <laughs> in life. Is, yeah. And that's a heavy burden, man. And that's something I've been kind of thinking about a lot lately is just just because I've had death in the family lately. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just it's when you... Um, I don't know. It's like you can't you can't be mad at somebody for just trying to find comfort in in this in this in this like this intrinsic intrinsic intrinsically intrinsic. Oh my God! Help me. Intrinsic. Thank you. Intrinsic (laughs) pain that life has to offer. You know, like you you are born into the burden of death. You know, (laughs) like that is that is a heavy weight, and so. You can't be upset. I'm mean, in my younger years. I didn't understand that because you know when you're young, you're just like, I'm fucking living forever. I don't care. And, right. <laughs> but then you see how like it's like holy shit, the weight of the world. <laughs> All you want is a little relief, and, and that's yeah. and that's fine. And and. And I dropped all that animosity and I still have a little bit, you know, because you do still see religion being used against people <laughs> instead of trying to yeah. lift them up. So like, you yeah, st- there's definitely kind of, it's politicized. It's like, there's, it's a two headed monster. Like yeah. there's, there's a lot of good in it. It brings a lot of peace to people, but it also kind of fuels a lot of fires that mm-hmm. I, you know, it, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I guess, you know, you can weaponize anything. I feel like religion has been weaponized a little bit. Um, well, I mean, I, it has a history of that too. Yes, but, totally. Yeah, but it, it can also, you know, with you know, it can it can bring people a lot of peace and a lot of comfort and kind of, uh, you know, let people <laughs> provide a veil of uh, having a point to things that are otherwise <laughs> easy to kind of frame as pointless. So yeah, no. Um, 
the so you uh so did you grow up playing in the church with your dad or did you I didn't um yeah I um yeah I kind of got my start you know we always had like keyboards pianos and stuff so I always grew up like putting my fingers on the keys but um to to my dad's credit I think like he never really like pushed me or even like he never really corrected me, which I think I would totally do if I had like a kid that like sat down at the keys or the drums or something and started doing something like I'd be like, well, what if you do this? And what, but he just let me go. And I think that kind of uh, that discovery on my own was kind of a big part of, you know, leading to who I am now. And so I, I'm kind of, you know, it's one of those kind of epiphanies I haven't had didn't have for decades <laughs> later. But uh but yeah, so I, I I chose drums. You know, in fourth grade they had like a you know a guy come to the school with like all the instruments, um, you know, trumpets and and you know violins and whatever. And the one thing that he didn't bring were drums. And so just being like a little brat, I'm like, well, I want to play the drums. <laughs> yeah, totally. just because just just because it wasn't a choice. And uh, I mean, it was a choice, but like they didn't bring drums, which now I understand. You know, you don't bring drums into a. Uh, you know, a gymnasium full of third and fourth graders. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I started that and, uh, you know, I eventually got to drum set and, uh, but I think just kind of, um, seeing my dad, you know, be able to play everything. I think I kind of assumed that that, you know, for better, or for worse, I assumed from a very young age that like being a good musician meant that you could play like every instrument and every style. <laughs> right. And I'm starting to see that, you know, there's there's definitely some benefits to uh to picking one thing and really going at it versus trying to do everything all the time. And that's well, you know, it's well, it's actually become like a theme of my life is, is well, trying it's problematic. to like, focus more. Well doesn't it yeah. seem yeah, like you're saying exactly focusing more because doesn't it seem a little problematic once you start focusing on like several different things instead of just one thing like you're a great drummer but i saw on your instagram that you also play bass and piano and i don't know how great you are at that so like well that's what i found because i am a multi-instrumentalist as well and i found that like i want to be great at everything but like i don't have the time to be great at everything mm -hmm. <laughs> So uh, did you kind of find that, I mean, I, you kind of alluded to that in your older years, but when you were younger, how far, did, how deep did you get into like, you know, putting energy into different instruments? Um, well, I think it all, I think uh, kind of writing music was kind of the, kind of the bubble that held everything in. And, you know, a lot of it was, you know, I had music that I wanted to play and, and sometimes it was just easier to just like record all the parts myself. And so I would kind of, <laughs> you know, and, and because of that, I, I, you get like really specific skills that don't necessarily carry over. Like, <laughs> you know, I can, you know, play certain things on bass. It's like, wow, he's really good. And then you realize, wow, there's a whole bunch of like basic things that I can't do because, you know, I didn't learn to, uh, you know, kind of have a general knowledge of, of these instruments. It's more specific to what do I need to do right now to like get this track finished or whatever. But. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds exactly. Well, it, well, no, because like in my, in my experience, because I grew up in such a small town and when I was coming up here, um, 
there wasn't a lot of options of people playing with you. And then when you did have options, they're just, sort of, you know, egos are involved. So I always just found mm-hmm. it easier. And of course I was awkward, young and fat. I was fat as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so that just plays into a whole nother big thing of insecurities for me. But I, I just found it. I mean, as soon as I found out that you could do this all yourself, I was like, why the fuck am I wasting my time with these <laughs> right. schmucks? I'm fucking right. doing this myself. So, that, but I, I but I appreciate that, and what I realize about this, and, and it seems that's kind of the traje- trajectory that you kind of took was, um, people who have who can play multiple instruments have a better uh, understanding of song structure and maybe even production itself. Uh, yeah, is that something that you took away from it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. I I don't you know regret that path. No. Um, I I feel like it's. I mean, it's just been so important, like, just, you know, knowing what everybody else is doing and understanding, especially all the, like, theory and and stuff, to just not be the drummer in the back and to actually be able to, like, participate um, at, like, a, you know, a a bigger level is super important. But I think, I think now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, all right, like, I also need to start letting things go a little bit and, and realize I can't do everything and just... Just be okay with letting it go. <laughs> like what? Letting what go? Like what kind? Well, of- just you know, um, like guitar, for instance. Like I've never liked playing guitar. Like I've <laughs> played a bunch of it, but I kind of hate the instrument. Um, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm with you there. It's it's confusing and stupid how they set it up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, uh-huh. and. Uh, so yeah, I've you know I've I've gotten to the point where I'm like you know I know some great guitar players and maybe it's going to take a little bit longer for me to explain to them what I want rather than just do it myself. But it's going to be better and I won't get frustrated. And so I'll just I'll just put down the guitar. And just, <laughs> I'll just put that in the corner, let it collect dust. Yeah, let's just be done with that. But, but I feel like you have a basic understanding of just basic open chords. Like I, I'm sh- like I feel like that you had enough tenacity. Like you right, like you can play like yeah. an open E. And, sure, yeah. and and really my problem, I have like the opposite problem where I'll you know going back to like the specificity of of learning an instrument for your you know a particular thing you're working on like i would learn like a you know an a flat seven sharp nine chord before i would learn like an open d or something oh, like oh i see i see so you're you're diving in real deep real quick yeah because i i yeah my my theory knowledge has always kind of uh, exceeded my ah. facility on any given instrument i mean keys I'm, I'm i'm pretty decent at keys at this point but um but yeah i just I mean, that's, I think that's something I learned from my dad too, really is, you know, I just see him doing all this complicated, you know, cause he's always putting like jazz chords and stuff. And so I'm just like, that's just what you do. You know? <laughs> yeah. You put those um, extensions on baby. Right. <laughs> but then, you know, that's just a whole can of worms that, you know, it's hard to, to understand, but, and it was also the music I was into, you know, I, I, I came up, you know, listening to, to a lot of jazz and hip hop, but you got into you know, a lot of like the funk horn band stuff. And yeah. so like when I was, you know, 15, 16, like, you know, most people are starting like, what would it be at that time? Like Nirvana bands. And right. I was like, let's, let's make a, I want to make a funk band with like a four piece horn section. That's amazing. And, and I'm like, well, how do you do that? I guess you have to start writing horn parts. So like, <laughs> I just start like writing horn parts, not knowing that like, 
that's not actually the first step when you start <laughs> your first step. as a drummer the first step is you don't write four piece horn parts for <laughs> your friends but but i didn't know any better you know you didn't have the internet to like tell you no there's right. a, you know but uh you know i'm 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 glad it kind of went that way but man i i seem to have this theme of like always doing things the hardest way possible <laughs> well do you i mean now that you're older and you're getting into you know like you know you're you're starting to understand yourself and become more comfortable with yourself i i mean like those hard away approaches are do you find them making like what you're doing now easier because you took that hard way or is it still like you're still the upward battle um I think it's made my life easier. I think sometimes I don't, when, you know, I spend a lot of time by myself. I've got a studio in the basement, yeah. and so I've become a little bit of a hermit. <laughs> and, you know, I, I kind of forget how much I know, I guess. And then I'll get in a room with, like, other people, and I'll be like, oh, wait, I learned a whole lot of stuff, and I spent a whole lot of time on things that, like, nobody else has. And so all of a sudden I become, like, the expert in the room, which mm. has its own, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a nice little ego stroke and it's, you know, it's, I understand kind of the, uh, rarity of having like the drummer be the person that everybody like looks to when they have a question about some music. Yeah. Um, but it also, you know, it's that much more responsibility. Like I never get to just like take it easy. Right. Right. Uh have you ever found yourself in a situation where, like, I know the answer, but this is going to lead to more work that I'm not willing when, to do? When I join a new band, I usually, like, every band I join, I'm like, all right, this is the band where I'm just going to be the drummer. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody I know how to record music. I'm not going to tell anybody I know how to write songs. Like, I'm just going to play the drums and just, like, play a dumbass in the corner that just doesn't know. And then, like, you know, eventually just, like, people, they're, you know, they're fiddling around they can't figure out like what chord is supposed to go and i'm like ah it's a six because you have the melody is like landing on a six so play the chord with the six in it and the whole thing will open up and all of a sudden they look at me like what oh, shit. <laughs> like ah the jig is up yeah but uh, it's over so you you just find yourself in situations where you can't keep your mouth shut or it's oh yeah. if you do keep your mouth shut you're gonna be there all fucking night waiting for somebody to figure this exactly answer. It, yeah i don't know why but it always it always is like this huge well not so much anymore because of this podcast but but it always used to surprise me what the drummer knows about music it's like of course the drummer knows about music it's like yeah i think it's becoming <laughs> less rare now with with youtube and, and right Right. You know, when I was coming up, like a lot of the, especially like the rock drummers, they didn't know about no. music necessarily. Like no. I would read, yeah. I would read like Modern Drummer Magazine and like, I, I ended, I subscribed to Modern Drummer Magazine for like 20 years and eventually I gave it up because like every interview was just, like you could just have one page that was just like play for the song and that would be <laughs> like, it just felt like you're just reading that sentence over and over again in every interview. And so I kind of, but yeah, that used to be the thing. It's just like, no, it was almost like know your place as a drummer. Yeah. Was like the theme back then. Right. Well, no. And, and that's, I think, I think, I mean, now that we're talking about it, like, and I'm thinking about, it, I, I think that's where it comes from because 
the drummer i mean you always have the joke about the drummer writing a song or something whatever that joke is I can't. yeah like what do you call the guy that hangs out with musicians the drummer <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and you have this idea that the drummer is just in the back and and he, you know, like, what is he really contributing other than, like, what people are dancing to uh, <laughs> or moving to? Uh, you, you know, so, like, um, that that does make more sense to me why I would have this weird bias of, like, thinking the drummer doesn't know. It's it, it just, like, it, it's so, like, it makes me feel silly now. But it, but as we're talking, it, it makes more sense that that's where we're coming from. But now that we have a very much... Um, I don't know what it is. It must be the internet or something that is sort of like opening up all these musical veins for people to sort of dip into. And I mean, you just now you just you have drummers like yourself, like who are telling people, fuck it, hey, this is how it goes. Or, but I mean, I mean, you're of the well, generation yeah, you without YouTube, so yeah. I, I mean, you see so many like multi instrumentalists now. Like, it just, yes. if you watch YouTube, it seems like everybody plays everything. Right. Like that's. Um, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. It's, I mean, all the black and white is becoming gray. Like, you know, genre is dying very quickly. <laughs> Just the the whole abstract concept of styles of music is starting to uh, kind of dissipate, which I think is great. And like, totally, you know, you it's there's a lot more of just like I create music. I love that like the word creation is becoming like the thing. Like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a creator. I, yes. I make things like, yeah, I'm a creative. And, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And you use whatever tools are at your disposal. And, you know, I kind of discovered that in a vacuum, you know, myself, but it's nice that that's kind of, I think it's going to create, I don't know. I, it, it might, I'm not sure if, I think it's good. I, it might create a whole lot of like jack of all trades, master of nuns. Out there. Right, right. Um, but it's not like you have to. Like, if anybody wants to just be the drummer and just like take that skill set to the maximum level they can, like, there's nothing stopping them. Like, right, right. But it's also good to know you have options. It's just, you know, yes. it's good to not be put in a box before you realize that there is space outside the box, you know? Yeah, and I, and I think it's interesting that that you even feel the need to say like I'm happier. I'm glad that their people are are taking more pride in being a creative person, and I and it and it's because we were raised to believe that creativity wasn't really a a, a job option. It was like yeah. I, you know, like our options were like you go to college and you become that. Or you go and you get a trade and you become a factory worker. Well, those fucking jobs are not are, are quickly dissipating. Elon Musk mm -hmm. is seeing to that. You know, like, <laughs> like everything's becoming automated. We sure. don't need put button pushers anymore. We need to figure out. We need people who can like figure out how to make those buttons push themselves. You know, like like that's the kind of thing we're looking for now. It's like technology and, and actually creatively carving out a place for you to. to exist in the work field you know because our work options are kind of dwindling and thankfully that means that's really good news for creativity and for us mm -hmm. because we sort of are able to work in many veins now uh we you're not just a drummer who works nightclubs you're also a writer you're also you know 
You have you have a YouTube channel, like you have you write music, right? I, I'm, that's great. yeah. You like you you have like a library of music you sell for um, commercials and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I, and I'm only I only know that because Raina told me so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but and I want to get to that. But yeah, it, it, that that it's funny that that you even have to feel like you say that because of where we come from, where these previous generations, these things that we've been uh, that kind of ingrained into our our mind, where it's like creativity isn't a job, it's a it's it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's become like your hobbies are becoming like your job now, which is awesome. And it's insanely awesome because it just means that there's going to be more happy people out there. You know, it's not going to be a bunch of miserable fucks like pushing the button every day, you know. So I think that's a positive side to it. I'll get a, a, a downside of everything being automated is, you know, people being out of work and such. Yeah. But anyways, I'm sorry. I kind of derailed um, but I, I think it's interesting. I, I because I do talk a lot about how you know people in this country, especially, are sort of um, creativity is sort of crushed out of them, and whether it's intentionally or unintentionally by this like fucking archaic way of teaching, still um, how mm-hmm. we teach our kids, uh, you know, like a, a lot of spark gets sort of drowned out by by these this old way of thinking this like actually like backwards way of thinking now you know so i don't know what what you you think people might be jack of all trades master of none we think we might not have any more you know greats out there or i mean do you think this well um i have a feeling that uh i I guess it depends on on what great is like if you think of kind of you know virtuosity in a traditional sense mm. i have a feeling those are not going to be the people that you really see much on youtube because they're too busy practicing and like <laughs> doing the thing yeah um and that i mean i even find that in myself like i go through spurts of like posting a bunch of stuff on instagram and youtube or whatever and it's so like it's it presents this opposite of the truth really because like Anytime I'm posting a lot on Instagram, it means I'm not very busy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's when I look really busy, people are like, man, you're doing so many things. I'm like, no, I'm sitting on Instagram posting stuff. (laughs) You know how long it takes to do this? Right. And then there's months that'll go by, I won't post anything, and people will be like, oh, you know, I I haven't seen her. You got much going on? I'm like, yeah, I'm so busy, I can't post anything on Instagram. No, and it is crazy how, like, fucking posting things on youtube and instagram becomes like this job but but you're absolutely right and and that's sort of like and and it's sort of uh you know like it, it plays into what uh social media is in the first place is just presenting your best self you know like no one yeah and like the people who are presenting their worst self are the people we're just okay skip scroll by that do not right. comment yeah. or like I mean, it's definitely a <laughs> A dangerous thing that we need to figure out how to kind of navigate yeah totally but but, but I, I also think it's important that people are posting stuff like you know tutorials or showing chops off or whatever it is because it, yeah. it shows you know like it's just spreading the message you know I, I i try to look at things the most positive way and the way i'm seeing it is just spreading the message is that this is a possibility as a life you know like you can mm-hmm. do this i mean like if you look any further into Phil's life, you'll know that he's not just, you know, posting stuff on Instagram. He is 
touring, he is creating, he constantly doing your thing. Um, so what? Uh, so getting through high school and you're learning all these, you're multi instrumentalist You're getting your, you're doing your work. Did you go to college at all, or did you just go straight? Uh, I didn't. I uh, I was like, I started playing out when I was 16, and um, it all kind of came really easy to me. I mean, just, I was working a lot. Like, I <laughs> I wish I had as much money now as I did when I was a 16-year-old. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, and, you know, I, was, I had a band that I was, it, we were doing all, like, original kind of... Uh, pretty complicated like it was like a it was it was like a funk horn band with kind of the the aesthetic of like dream theater kind of like progressive funk music lots of odd time signatures and i was really like into that and uh i went on tour with like you know right around the time i'd be deciding to go to college like i went on tour with like a like a 10-piece swing band and like all this stuff was yeah, I mean, this was back when, like, there was that resurgence of, like... Oh, yeah, Brian Setzer. Insert two, yeah, insert two words and put the word daddy on it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Had, like, all the, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, I just started doing that. And before I knew it, like, all my friends who were much smarter than me, I mean, <laughs> at, at least had a ba- bigger view, better view of the big picture, were like, okay, well, we're all going to go to college now, so... <laughs> yeah, have fun. Have fun. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I never ended up going and I did end up having to get a day job for a few years there. Uh, but, uh, fortunately I was able to not have a day job since I think 2001, I finally quit. So, holy shit. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> okay. So, so do, do you feel any regrets about not going to college at all? Um, I mean, I obviously I don't feel regret about get not having the piece of paper because that obviously in this field especially is is worthless. Um, <laughs> but you know, I had gotten a little bit of scholarship money to go to to Berkeley in Boston, and oh. I mean that definitely would have like changed my trajectory. Like, right. so I, I guess it's not a regret as much as I wonder if I would have like taken the other fork in the road, like you know, it, I maybe I'd be in a better place or a worse place, or maybe I'd find right. myself, you know. I mean, but you can't think too much about that. So no, but uh, yeah, you'll drive. And I, I actually grew up like a couple blocks from uh, Penn State University, which has like a pretty solid um, in Pennsylvania, a pretty solid uh, music program. And so I actually mm. spent a lot of time. You know, I was playing in bands with like the jazz professors and stuff. So I was like on campus all the th- all the time and kind of somewhat immersed in like the college music thing without mm. actually paying for it <laughs> yeah, yeah, without yeah. having the student loans to, yeah, to pay yeah. off chores. Well, no. Um, well, I was going to say is like, because I, I went, I tried going to school for music and I just, I couldn't, I just, I could not, I couldn't, like, I just could not put myself in there and like really be interested in it. And plus I was like, what, 18, 19 or something. Like, what the fuck did I know when I was then? Uh, I always love it when people like just know what they're going to be from a young age, you know, like you, mm-hmm. it's nice that you kind of understood like, well, I, I naturally sort of fit into this spot here. So I'm just going to take it as far as I can. Um, that wasn't me. I, I, my family was very encouraging about, uh, you know, like, oh yeah, 
express yourself, but you need to go to school so you have something to fall back on. So when you inevitably fail as a musician, you can go. So right. I always had that sort of in the background. But, you know, thank goodness that they were uh, – I'm thankful that they were encouraging. I always love just hearing people who are just like, yeah, I just knew what I was going to do, and uh, I've been working since 2001. So, fuck, that, that's amazing to me. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, you don't have college debt. I mean, like, do you really need debt to, like, get to where you're at now? I mean, like, you're right. right. You might have went somewhere else. You might have taken the more academic route. You might have taken the more, like, you know, um, uh, what a musical elitist. <laughs> I, have, mm-hmm. I have musical elitist friends here. And I, I love them to death, but they are, like, super musical because they're graduates and some of them are doctors sure. and stuff. And they, oh, you can't tell me because I am a graduate of college. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> right. It's like, but what I noticed about people who are like very much like that is that they lack a lot of uh, improvisation skills, and they lack almost they lack feel. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. lack that energy. I, I don't know. Have you noticed that as well? I mean, I mean, obviously there's amazing academic. I mean, Esperanza Spalding is a great example. Is an of an academic. Sure, there's always exceptions there's always miles davis academic as fuck but like just whatever but like i do see this like trend where you people get so involved in the learning of music that it almost sterilizes it for them as well i I don't know if if you've seen that as well or if you agree with that but it's like i mean i think i i think there definitely is i feel like that might be changing a little Mm. bit just because you're starting to see, um, like, there's one of the, the biggest kind of vanguards of, of modern funk jazz, Snarky Puppy yes. is this this band. And um, those are all, like, college, you know, they're from, right. I believe, University of Texas or whatever. Yeah. And, like, they're, like, the perfect example of just knowing all this information, but then, like, do you, do you use your powers for good or for evil? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> and, you know, they just... It, it empowers them to just go on these musical adventures that just, you know, create, you know, they can tour as this like 15 piece band and like sell out. Show- I mean, they sold out the belly up at $50 a ticket last year. Yeah. Like yeah. nobody can do that. No. Let alone like an all instrumental. Like, right. <laughs> like, right. Um, and I think you can, you know, I think college plays a big part of, of that. It's just, it's kind of, Maybe YouTube kind of helps people know how to put things more in context or yeah. just, you know, not YouTube maybe specifically, but just kind of the globalization of everything at this point where you you kind of more people are innately knowing to take things with a grain of salt or to, you know, you take what you need from what you're learning and, and put the rest on the shelf until you need it and things like that. And not not think so much in terms of these are the rules because that. Yeah. I think that is where you start to get in trouble. Yeah, I think it's it's good to know the rules because right. <laughs> I've definitely played with musicians that they don't know the rules and and you're like, well, I mean, follow your truth, I guess. But this would be much better if we went, you know, we did we did it this way. <laughs> if we followed the rules, baby, just a little bit, <laughs> <You're> right? <laughs> maybe just a little bit, we would get something special here. No, no, you're absolutely right. And you hear that all the time out of these great players uh, who are just well-rounded players who are academic, educated, fucking expressive, 
you know, like changing the game, players are always saying stuff like, uh, you know, know all the rules so you can break every single fucking one of them. You know, right. like, like just know it so you can break it. But having that foundation is key. And that is a foundation that I never really strive for. So I am one of those. That's, I know what an A minor is. You know, I can pick out it. Oh, I know what. But like when it comes to theory and shit, it's like my my eyes start glazing over yeah. and rolling in the back of my head, and it, it's just I don't know if it's laziness or if it's just boring to me. But <laughs> it's I, I think I it's mean, all it's, of it. I mean, there's a there's a lot of math, there's a lot of non musical yeah. things in in theory, and I, I took it in high school. We had they offered a couple years of music theory in, theory in high school, and. Uh, like it was just a struggle. Like I stayed with it because I, I it was important to me, but it, it felt restricting. Like mm. it felt, and but there was definitely a point. There was kind of a tipping point where all of a sudden, not in high school. I mean, it took years of kind of real world use, um, but there was a tipping point where it went from being restrictive to being like freedom, yeah. and and that kind of it was it was that really opened my my mind to it that this is these rules allow you to go wherever you want like you're these things that i thought were restricting me um or these you know these things that i thought were keeping me from like expanding were actually putting me on a very narrow path because i didn't know what the options were it's like driving down a highway and the exits are invisible. Like you think that you're, look how far I can go on this highway, not knowing there's all these tangents that are even more interesting that you just don't even know are there. Right. And I think that was kind of where theory kind of opened my mind to being like, oh, wait, like at any, any given moment, like a thousand things are possible if you just know what they all are. Yeah. Um, but which also can be you know, a trap. It, it took years yeah. yeah i'm sure well sure i mean <laughs> it takes a, a certain kind of person to be able to uh not have their mind implode from too many choices <laughs> well um, I, I've, I've had that situation several times and i'm sure someone who's constantly writing and you know writing as a as part of your 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 income and and your in your expression you know i'm sure you find that more than often or have you kind of figured out a way to sort of move past that i mean i'm still i'm still figuring it out it, it seems like you know every year i go through moments where i'm like okay i kind of get what i'm doing now and then a few months later i'll be like what am i doing <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I, I definitely uh i mean i think when you're kind of such a an island the way that I am a lot, like you don't I don't get a whole lot of, of feedback from the outside world. So I have to I have to kind of uh give myself space to, to reflect on things, which you don't get paid for that. No, um, <laughs> but, but it's a necessary uh, a necessary part to be like, okay, this thing that I this piece that I wrote, you know, two months ago that nobody is buying, like what was the problem? Obviously this is something I did wrong. Cause like if, and I've found that, you know, for a lot of the library music stuff I do, like I, I'm too, I got like melody ingrained into me. I, I, I think it's a compensation. Like I used to be so like groove oriented when I was a kid and, and you know, I got to the point where it's just like, where, where are the melodies? These are all fantastic grooves, but like, where's the melodies? And so mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I got all into melody 
And uh, now I'm kind of having to go backwards with with uh, some of this library music because, like, when you're doing music that's supposed to kind of support something going on on screen, like, the melody gets in the way. Like, the dialogue is the melody. Right. And uh, so that's been kind of something I've been trying to learn to do is, is put out these things that when you listen to them on their own sound unfinished, which has really been a difficult thing for me to wrap my head around. Like, <laughs> okay, this thing is finished now, even though it doesn't really sound like a piece of music. It sounds like three quarters of a piece of music, but, and then they sell. And yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Isn't that just the way shit is? It's like, you really fit. Like, it's always like, this is my fucking magnum opus. This is it. It's like no one cares about it. <laughs> and right. It's like, and like, oh, yeah, I could have, I probably could have learned that in like one class twenty years ago, <laughs> and known it the entire time. But like, so you know, but the journey is part. You you know, you kind of got to come to things in your own time. I guess. Yeah. It's it's always easy to look back and see what the faster road would have been, but. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. You just kind of have to accept the journey. I, I think so. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just how it goes, man. I mean, some kids can just know it and just have it, and then just in their twenties, just be able to fucking, you know, really get control over their their talents and their skills and their limitations, and, and really put it forth. Uh, that was not me. Uh, <laughs> I was too busy drinking and drugging, having a good time, <laughs> pretending to be a musician. <laughs> um so how how was yours then so like you're so you for for went college but in a sense you kind of went another college route because touring and doing all that is is definitely a, a school of itself so what what was your like what was your 20s like involving with music um like what 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 kind of i mean were you recording albums what were you focusing on when you, uh, yeah when, i was when i was writing on? a lot of writing a lot of music for for these kind of I had a couple different kind of funk jazz kind of kind of things and was playing a lot and uh and I was I was trying to be focused about you know you got to learn like the business and so I was just devouring mm. every book about music business that I could and the unfortunate thing is right as I was like kind of finishing up my my <laughs> you know tenure of uh of devouring everything about the music industry napster happened <laughs> and mp3s happened and like literally almost everything i had learned became irrelevant over the course of like 18 months yeah. and i was like all right and it was it, i feel like the time that i came up was the absolute worst because like you get the methodology ingrained up until you're like 18, 20 years old. And then that's when everything changes. Like that's gotta be the hardest time to be like, I thought I had this whole idea of how this business, you know, cause it used to be very straightforward. Like you do a demo, you kind of get, you go do live shows, you start building an audience, you get, you know, record label interest. You signed, you know, AR comes, you sign to a label, big or small, whatever you go and you make, and then you tour and there's a cycle and it's like this whole thing. And then it's like, no, actually music doesn't have any monetary value starting today. So. <laughs> starting today. All that hard work is for right. nothing. Well, and now there's all kinds of options, but there was, there was a dark period between, right. you know, like 2000 and 
2018. Now you have Patreon and and ad, you know, AdSense and right. and you know, well, people I mean, are finding ways to make it work. But yeah, right. Well, monetarily, it's completely different now. Like there is money to be made, but it's not like the days of like Led Zeppelin or even the days of Nirvana <laughs> or the you know. Yeah, like, I or, mean the or, the middle class is achievable. Right, Which exactly. Needs to be good enough for everybody. <laughs> well, and that that's goes part about this whole like society's view on artists. It's like your view of success is is being on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, which is now mm-hmm. becoming irrelevant as well. You know, so like right. so like uh, there's there's like there's this disparity between um, you know a young artist and what it means to be successful as an artist, and mm-hmm. people uh, people look at it uh you know they don't look at it in in a way that they look at like a trade you know like uh i go to school i learn how to do this trade and you know i i work as an apprentice and then i you know like there there's a process not saying that that's the process of music because like who knows what the the path is now for music and art but but there is a way to sort of hey you learn your craft you go out there, you, you play around a little bit, you start playing for free in places, and then if you want to be that nightclub player, then you you go out to these jams and you start meeting people, you network, you know, you you find you find your people and you find you find your network and, and you sort of build from there and you take it as far as you can, you know, and that's just one of the many mm-hmm. ways you can do it. But what people are understanding is that there is a way that it can be done where you can make a living and you don't have to be the worthless musician that your parents think you'll end up being so right so 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 you kind of found your way through that um in in your younger years you just sort of was navigating through so yeah so, i mean it was it was a struggle though right I mean, right yeah tell but, me. uh so so i wh- mean i so I, I i quit my job i was teaching a lot teaching a lot of drum lessons and that yeah. was kind of what allowed me to kind of quit at first was that your day um, job or was i yeah, I, I worked. Uh, I one of the one of my friend's dads was like the director of a, a, a pharmacy that was in a clinic, and so I got a job as like a pharmacy technician back when you didn't have to like have an associate's degree to right, do that right, job. Right. Yeah, nice. Um, and you know, it was it was good. I mean, it paid well, which was dangerous. Like yeah. I stuck with it longer than I probably should have because it made life. A little too easy yes um i i like i said i think i worked there four years um i wish i would have worked there less or none (laughs) (laughs) i wish (laughs) i kind of got talked into it because you know at the time i was still living at home and you know it allowed me to move out of the house you know when i was 18 which i i'm just a very like independent person so that was important to me and it, it, it wasn't the worst thing but uh I started growing my teaching business, but at the time, I mean, it's just, there weren't that many drum teachers in town, so that was good, but also, like... What town were you in? I'm sorry. Oh, this was State College, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so, but, you know, I I was living in in an apartment, so I was, like, driving to my students' houses, and, you know, there's winter. Yes. Um, I'm I'm suffering that currently. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, and, you know, it was... The going rate was just really low at the time. I think, you know, I kept raising my rates and I think I topped out at like $15 a half hour or something like that, which is just, you know, now out here people are charging like 
you know, eighty dollars an oh, hour yeah. for but, stuff. Yeah, Raina, yeah, Raina but, did uh, that. She still charges that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that was I was expensive back then. Like I was like the expensive <laughs> guy in town. Which, um, which, like fifteen dollars an hour now is just like I mean, yeah. that might be a starter if you're just getting started or something. Now you know, like I don't know, man. But yeah. yeah, so so you were you so so was that sort of like what made you quit your other job is that your teaching business was sort of getting a little yeah I mean it was you know also rent was you know sure I was only making fifteen dollars an hour but rent was also like three hundred bucks so. right exactly yeah yeah it didn't matter um, yeah but uh, yeah and then my dad actually got sick he got cancer around that time oh. and so I was I had kind of been thinking about moving to New York or moving to to Philly or Boston or something um, and then he got sick so I kind of it was actually really good that I quit my job. I quit my job like and then maybe like a month later he got diagnosed and so like all of a sudden I was able to like go to you know cuz they sent him to like hospitals like out of town. He they he would spend like a month in a hospital in like Baltimore or Pittsburgh or whatever. Well maybe not a month, but it seemed like a long time. And like I was able to like go and travel and see him and spend time and help out and help my mom and do all these things that I wouldn't have been able to do working forty hours a week. Yeah, you know, nine to five. So that was good. And uh, so I kind of I spent a few years because he really hung on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he definitely outlasted whatever time they gave him by a little bit. But uh, eventually, I guess in two thousand three, it finally kind of took him. Yeah, and. Shortly after that, that's when I moved out to, to California. Um, I was, like I said, ready for somewhere to go. And I had some friends out here and some a little bit of family out here. And I had uh, a close family friend that was thinking of moving at the same time. They're like, hey, if you drive the moving van, we'll pay the expenses. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. Because <laughs> like, yeah. they didn't want to spend a week in a moving van going across the country. They just yeah. wanted to fly out and like be ah, there, be a piece of cake. Right. And so, I mean, that it was thousands and thousands of dollars that it saved me. That, yes. Oh, I'm aware how much it costs to move across. I've done it a few times now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, man, so that kind of brought me out here. And then, uh, you know, it was, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, but, uh, how old were you when you moved out there? Um, maybe 25, something oh, okay. like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I met, um, I went on, you know, I was going on Craigslist. And basically, the first thing I tried to do was recreate my life mm -hmm. that I had back east. So I started trying to teach drum lessons and I joined, or started playing with some like, you know, jazz groups doing corporate gigs and like it was not the same like the the culture here <laughs> was not the same like right learning an instrument at least in state college which has like one of the premier music programs in a public school like in the whole country like mm -hmm. it was really competitive like everybody's like trying to be the best and and as a result like there's just crazy good musicians and out here like nobody was practicing like you just <laughs> Nobody wants to be inside if they can even have drums in their little apartment. Like nobody right. wants to be inside practicing. They're all outside and whatever. And so I was just like, this is not the same thing. Right. And the the jazz people I was playing with at the time, like, were kind of dicks. Like I don't <laughs> just 
it didn't take me long to realize, all right, I'm not just going to like move what I do to San Diego. Like I've got to actually start over on San Diego's terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went on Craigslist, which, you know, didn't even exist, where, you know, in my own hometown. Right. And uh, I, I found this guy, uh, Nate Donis, who was looking for a drummer. He had a trio doing like singer songwriter stuff. And so I listened to a couple of his things online and um, he had kind of a, a Dave Matthews thing, which I was into at, a t- at the time. And um, so I went and auditioned and, and got in that band. Um, and he and I started, I mean, we started doing like the original music as a trio, but he was also playing like restaurants at the time. So he brought me in to play percussion. And I think I moved here in August. And by like the end of September, I think I was, you know, playing three nights a week in these restaurants making pretty good money and so it it actually i mean i got very lucky that it kind of worked out (laughs) very quickly um well for sure you could have and then i mean go ahead yeah and that i mean that was basically you know through the bass player dennis i met this uh percussion percussionist conga player uh ty and like I can basically trace back every musical thing I've been able to do in San Diego back to those, you know, those are the roots of that. <laughs> what's become a very big tree. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I guess, you know, the rest is history. I mean, it's always a hustle. It's always a little bit of a struggle, but, you know. Right. But but that's also part of the, I, I don't know if you want to call it fun, because sometimes it's not fun when you got to come up with like $800 by next week and you're just like, what sure. the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> uh, that's not fun, but it definitely makes you really creative <laughs> and like yeah. makes you fucking really makes you think about what, you know, <laughs> anyways. Um yeah, no, that that's cool, man. Like, I I love that. I love so so. Did you find your you just mostly stuck to Craigslist to sort of break into a new scene? Because when I was getting ready to move back here, I was asking a lot of people, especially people I know who've moved to other cities that tried to get into the scenes. I I was asking like, what did you do? What was like the biggest thing you did to sort of start getting work? And, you know, jams and meeting people and going to shows, blah, 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 Craigslist, blah, blah, blah. Was it mostly Craigslist? I mean, then or was it were you out there going to jams and stuff trying to find? Um, I went to Gilbert Castellanos had a, oh, yeah. I mean, he still does. He had like a jazz jam. Um, and I, I went to that and sat in a couple times. Um, but uh, I mean, it's not like I was really on Craigslist a lot. I just, mm. you know, I kind of answered one or two ads and then the second one just led to like a bunch of work and <laughs> right so, you just got really lucky and yeah that. i mean craigslist was the craigslist of the mid-2000s is not the same as no. the craigslist today no no the craigslist of the mid-2000s was much more <laughs> sexier like yeah. but you could get real good de- like you could get real deals real prostitutes you could get real you know like real mm. weird shit <laughs> like it was a, it was awesome. It was like the wild wild yeah. west of that kind of like, um, you know, um, the back pages of a newspaper online type of thing. You know, like it's just like it's, mm-hmm. it was such a it was such a cool thing. I remember, but now it's very yeah. Like, I mean, and you know, there was weird stuff on there, but it was all like real. Like there yes. weren't scams. Like everything yes. is a scam now. Exactly. It's just it, like I don't. It's not even worth. 
I mean, I haven't been on there in a long time. I know. It seems like. I didn't find anything. You know what? Honestly, when I came back here and I was like so worried about breaking into a new scene, the biggest thing that helped me break into a new scene was this fucking podcast. This podcast has led me to almost everything that I've done since I've started it. So it through through like booking guests, yes, or just through yes. having yeah, just from booking guests because I mean people. I mean it, I. Well, first of all, it's doubled since I've been here, so I don't know what the fuck's up with that. That's weird. Uh, my my audience has like doubled since I've been here, and mm. and, and so like I I don't know why it's just, you know it's not like I'm talking to the highest caliber of uh, not highest caliber I should say or like famous people I should say sure um uh, you know I'm just talking to regular everyday musicians but it seems to be resonating with people and but no just being able to talk to people um. And just, you know, you don't talk to people, you don't have conversations with people very much anymore, you know? Like, we don't have long, we don't just sit down and talk for hours. It's just, like, quick text or, you know, you say hi on the phone, you're, that's that. You go back to your hole and you live your life. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've made, society has afforded us this possibility to just sort of hide away in our basements and create and not talk to anybody for days, you know? But, yeah. um but you know, like being able to talk to people, and they kind of get to know you, and they remember that. Um, they remember it's like, hey, you play keyboard, or hey, didn't you say you were looking for gigs when we were talking that time? Or hey, didn't you say you were looking for a band? And and that's exactly like, or I ask. So mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it's just it's the podcast has always has lately has just been my key into not wherever I want to go, but if I have an idea and I want to go there it kind of facilitates that. So I've been telling people to start a podcast, <laughs> which, you know, I yeah. know it's not easy for everybody and it wasn't easy for me. So, so, but it's one of those things that kind of help. And, and, and it's kind of one of those ways we are talking about of like creatively carving out a place for yourself. And not, yeah, there's no one path. I mean, no, you never know what, what the not. thing is going to take you take you through and and so so ty which is interesting it's ty is one of the people who just sort of like helped you on where you to get oh, to where you're yeah. at now he's totally he's been my my musical sherpa for like the last <laughs> 15 years he's awesome i love ty and he's such a good human being as well like i just you know like you like to talk to him he's like has mm -hmm. a nice calming presence as well um so so then uh so your 20s were just you trying to figure out how to sort of navigate your way through san diego and and uh it seems like you quickly took on and and sort of found your way how did you end up getting into like creating a musical library and like start writing for commercials and um i mean <clears throat> it was the the seed of it was always there in terms of one just writing like instrumental music or you know things that are not like pop songs and then i think also uh, so I, I started playing with this guy, Nate Donis, and, you know, a couple tracks off the, the first record that we did together uh, ended up in some TV shows. And so I kind of got to see, oh, this is like a thing that like is available to everybody in a way. I mean, yeah. it's certainly not easy. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I, I dabbled and tried to kind of find what my thing was. And then a few years ago, right 
you know, I was reading the news and they were, there's this stuff about happy birthday going into the public domain. Like they had found that like the whole copyright by Chapel Hill or whatever was like actually kind of fraudulent. And, and so happy birthday was going to be, uh, you know, go into the public domain and you wouldn't have to pay for it anymore. So I'm like, Oh, I should write some happy birthday songs and put them on these sites. Oh, and and so I was like in the right place at the right time that as soon as people started being able to like license, you know, not have to license happy because you used to have to license it like you were going to license, you know, get lucky or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it was like a real song. Um, <laughs> and who's now getting paid you know, off of happy birthday. I want to know who's uh, these two old this Mildred and somebody that um it turned out they wrote a song similar called uh, Good Morning to You. And then just through, you know, being in the era of like no computers, kind of um, Warner Chapel or whatever kind of bought this whole library of stuff. And, and somebody had put the words happy birthday to their like good morning to you song. And then they somehow got credit for writing happy birthday to you because they it was this whole thing. Wow. and. You know, they were able to look back and be like, "No, this is this is not <laughs> the song that these people wrote." <laughs> that you know, yeah, yeah. It, it ended up um, not even being this. That's "Happy Birthday" wasn't even the intentions of the original song. <laughs> it was right, like, just yeah. something to sing a, a good morning little thing to your kid or some stupid shit. Right, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, that was you know, I, I have a a pretty pretty good habit of being late to the party all the time but this happy birthday thing was one instance of me being in the right place at the right time and uh you know i just started like licensing in it just like crazy um and that was kind of you know i just kind of have built on that at this point um well okay so so you you like so uh, there's more than happy birthday i take it then so you went in and found more songs that were just oh yeah i mean open domain i still feel like i'm trying to kind of reverse engineer that career for myself you know Mm. i I go and kind of look at the analytics of what is being licensed and then you know try and do music like that and realize you know i'm not like an electronic guy that's not my thing and Mm. so even when i feel like i do a good yeah so i'm still trying to kind of find the the kind of the Venn diagram of like what I'm good at and what people are looking for and kind of find what's in the middle there. And, uh, so where, you know. where are you with that? What are you good at then that you, that you tend to sell? What, what, what ends up selling the most for you that you feel that you're good at? Um, ukulele stuff, which is starting mm. to die down because everybody does ukulele stuff. Yeah. For those cutesy uh, little like uh yeah little fucking home delivery for your fucking your basic needs right it's, <laughs> okay. you know yeah there was a, there was a time a couple years ago that like if you just had some major key song with a ukulele and like whistling over it like it was a license <laughs> to print money basically <laughs> but that started to you know I think those days have passed, but uh, <laughs> the, the days of the ukulele is uh, <laughs> you might as well burn those fucking things. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, I hate guitar, but I love ukulele. Like well, I, you just take those two extra strings yeah. away, and all of a sudden it becomes fun. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> it's very fun. No, and I think that's why Raina really took to it because she hates the guitar as well, and and she's just like, and the piano is boring to her, I think, and the ukulele was just something she was able to sort of pick up and go, and and she's just. 
she's grown so much with it. It's great. Uh, so, so then what is, so then have you studied the analytics lately? What are, what is it that people are looking for now for, for library and licensing? Well, I mean, the stuff that's really big is the stuff that I just know is not my thing. Like I call it matrix music. It's yes. like a mix between electronic with like orchestral elements. Oh. Um, so basically you have like these big, like orchestral string things going on, but then, you know, kind of the, the buzzy like synth bass underneath it with like, you know, these kind of electronic drums and yeah. it's, you know, I mean, it's cool stuff. It's just, I don't know. It's uh it's work. Like, yes. Part, part of the name of the game is just is being like part of what makes it sustainable is being able to churn it out quickly. Like it's I don't want to say it's a, a quantity over quality thing, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, quality quantity is kind of what, where you need to be. Right. Uh, well, I mean, like maybe a song that you wouldn't necessarily write for yourself or want to perform out for yourself is something that you're able to sell. But that's like part of the job. It's like, well, this is yeah. this is what they want, you know, because you because you're basically they're your client and then you have to fucking sort of fulfill what they're looking for. And yeah so whatever (laughs) so yeah so you know i'm always gonna be best at like groovy funky stuff so you know kind of the the organ funk a la like oceans 11 Mm -hmm. i i can do that stuff pretty efficiently um and uh i can turn things into reggae like i'm i i played in a bunch of reggae bands for years like i was never like a reggae guy Mm. um you don't have to spend much time with me to realize that but um but yeah, I mean, even the the Happy Birthday that sold really well, that was like a reggae version of Happy Birthday. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, I, I do pretty well with just kind of reggae stuff. But like I, I said earlier, like I'm really trying to like learn to not be so melodic, which is really counterintuitive to me, to me at this point. Hmm. And I've actually started just real recently. I think I think it might be working, but I, I've tried... I found some some pieces of of movies that don't have music in them, just like dialogue. Like there's part of like Reservoir Dogs that I've been using just because like you know I was just trying to what what's like a good five minutes of music that has no music and just dialogue. Uh-huh. And I've been loading that into Pro Tools and like composing with that going. Oh, cool. and it totally changes the way I think because that's the way it's going to be used. Like yes. there's going to be people talking or there's going to be like. And all of a sudden you realize like the melody is the visual. The melody is the the dialogue. Like right. there's all these elements that are being added to it that, you know, you don't need as much music. You don't want as much music because half of the content is being created by this other right. team, basically. Right. Um, and so that's been uh, that's been helpful. I, I, I'm, I'm just starting to dabble in that, but I think I might kind of pursue that a little bit more or it might just be the kind of thing where it just it changes my thought process enough that i'll be able to kind of conjure that idea without having like actual a movie playing while i'm trying to compose music but uh i think that's a very valuable piece of information that you just shared that um because it's not only is it just that specifically but like um changing your routine in writing in whatever way can elicit 
different ways of writing it can elicit new ideas especially if that's what you do if you're if you're someone who just comes up with ideas for movies or whatever or ideas for music for movies or commercials or stuff it's like you constantly need different kinds of inspiration i think that's a awesome incredible like that makes me want to do that just to do that <laughs> it makes me want to just load something in and just like write music to a scene like that's so cool yeah that's a very interesting and i mean Go ahead. Real people get to do that. I mean, because that's the one thing that I've never, I never really get to do. Because I'm always doing stuff on like off of spec sheets or, or, so I never get to score the picture. Mm -hmm. Is kind of what they call it. Where you know, like for a real movie, like the composer would actually have the movie playing and right. and would, and I don't, you know, I'm not at the level that I get to do that. And right. I don't know. That was an aspiration for a long time. I'm not sure it is so much anymore. Right. But um, what, what is it now? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm <laughs> always fair. I'm always kind of in the middle of pivoting. I've I've oh. gotten really I've been learning how to do animation recently, and and so I have like these ideas for like musical like children's cartoons, and I don't know. I've just always got I've always got stuff distracting me from making money and being successful. So I I try and <laughs> follow those down the rabbit hole. <laughs> but you know what? Like you're starting to understand. You could tell like by you know, especially with age, you start understanding how your process works, and and like mm -hmm. you start to become okay with that. Like hey. Yeah. It's like I know that maybe I'm. This is a distraction, but like in ten years, this is probably going to be my life. You know, life part yeah. four. You know, I mean, writing <laughs> writing reggae happy birthday was a distraction at the time. Right, like, exactly. <laughs> so. so what 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 was the process of you like actually getting it out? You said you put it on a site, but I wasn't sure like how. Like you just go to a website and you just start putting your music on it, and you're like, hopefully um, someone picks it, or do you find like an agent or a manager? Like how does what was your so path? I, I, I do it. There's like two different sides to it. One is like the library music, which um, is like I, I use Pond Five specifically, mm -hmm. um, and that's more of um, the goal, I guess, is a large quantity of like small licenses. Like mm -hmm. it's a, a, a set fee, um, so you know I'll get I, I think like fifteen bucks for each license, which is not much, but like that's more than selling an album on iTunes. Yes, it is. Um, for what, like forty seconds or of something, right? You know, yeah. right? Exactly. Um, and so that is just you're just moving units. Like it's right. just that's the numbers game. Got and it. then the other stuff, there's there's sites where they kind of like will put out um, one that I've had some success with is called Song Trader, and so you know they'll put out we're looking for this kind of thing and, and you look through your library, like I have that kind of thing and you mm -hmm. submit it and you know, one out of every hundred times gets picked, but then those end up being higher dollar kind of things. Ah. Um, cause those are being actually like negotiated by humans as opposed to like, this is just what this costs. <laughs> um, then and I'll go please. And and so then, I mean, the good thing about that is, you know, I, you get ASCAP royalties on on that oh, stuff. And yeah. so I'm, you know, I've got stuff that was on like shows on MTV, maybe like six years ago, that I'm still getting paid for because they're like airing it in Romania at this point or whatever. That's like, 
Yeah, so that that part of it's kind of cool that you just yeah, it's you like, just get paid forever for it. Basically. Right, right. It's just like this this investment that grows in perpetuity that you just put in this. Yeah, wow, that is amazing. I love that. So, do you that are you then are you great at your own mixing and mastering? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> to toot my own horn, but yeah, I've 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 I've, I've been doing it a long time. Oh. I started recording music, you know probably when i was maybe like 20 and i'm 39 so what 19 yeah, 19, 19 years. years um and uh you know i yeah i mean i i, I do it a lot i mean i, I kind of do that as in terms of like hours a day i mean that's definitely something you know i'm I've got my 10,000 hours in. <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell would be proud. Um, yeah. The, so, okay. So, so then how did you get into recording? Like what, what sort of got you into that? Um, because recording that's a whole studios th- being expensive. Yeah. Oh, I, um, the, 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 the horn band I had in high school, like we paid, you know, we were playing these gigs. And so we actually had like money to burn, which was, you know, we're also all like living with our parents. Right, so that's a big right. part of it. But so we went into the studio and, and spent, I don't remember how much time, like a lot of time and a lot of money recording this, our second album. Um, and I was not at all really happy with the end result. And I'm like, this, how how do all these people make such great records when it costs so much and then like the end result is still nowhere close to what you want and right. so um i think it was like after right after my dad passed um like i kind of casually inherited like some of his musical stuff because like mm-hmm. my, my mom's not going to do anything with it so i sold it on ebay and bought like what at the time was a super like powerful computer that I could actually load uh, at the, it was like Adobe audition was what I was using oh, okay. back then. Um, and I think I bought like a couple preamps and, you know, basically just like the basics and just started doing it, started recording my own stuff and started recording, you know, the bands I was playing in and, you know, slowly got better at it the way you do and uh, eventually switched to Pro Tools and upgraded, you know, the equipment a little bit. And Okay, um, so it was just sort of this, like, studios are too expensive. This is all affordable now. Why the fuck am I wasting my time with these assholes? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I like that. I like that it wasn't just like, oh, I just fell into it. It's like, because I don't like how much it costs to record things. <laughs> that right. bothers me. I'm going to just figure out how to do it myself. That's that's great. So I mean, so much of of being a, a creative person, I think, is is problem solving. I mean, that's yes. what we're all. Yeah. You know, it's Critical just like I want I want this. I want to do this. How, what is the path from A to B? Yeah. And then you do it. Yeah, and, and like, and that's so like, it's so otherworldly to some people. It's just like I just don't know how you can just get up and send emails and then go. <laughs> It's like, bro, it's just like any other job, not really, but it's like any other job, it's just like you got to consistently stay with it. So how, how do you wake up and you do just start writing or like what, what's your day look like? What, 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 like what's a typical day look like when you wake up? Well, I've, I found that on the, uh, on the, the library sites, there seems to be this, I don't really understand the algorithm, but it seems to be that. If I'm not putting stuff out there, stuff 
slows down. Mm. Like the, they must like being active somehow. I think adds weight to the way they promote, you know, or put stuff at the top of search pages for just this enormous library. I'm not really sure how it works, but I know if I slack, like stuff stops selling. And if I'm putting stuff up there, even if it's not the stuff I'm putting up currently that's selling, the old stuff starts selling more. <laughs> and so I've gotten in the habit of I try and I try and do three pieces a week. Um, oh. Sometimes I can knock one out in a day, or sometimes it takes like two days. Um, and uh, you know, they're usually I aim for like pop song length, like three and a half minutes, and and so yeah, I'll just get up and just you know start uh you know i'm using mostly uh virtual instruments for that stuff um just for speed and because they're so good yeah, <laughs> these no, days totally. hell yeah those virtual um, drums man some sometimes you can like you can um you can really spice up some some uh, some fake drums to really really make it sound pretty goddamn close to some real shit I mean, if yeah. not real shit, you know, like yeah, no, I mean, most people will be like, "That's that's real," you know, like yeah, yeah. If you just know a couple little, couple little drummery things to kind of add in there, just get some ghost notes or whatever. Mm. Like, you can definitely, you can definitely <laughs> make fool, fool the people. best of them. Fool the best. Yeah. Of them. So, so then, uh, so is there like because when I talk to people who write like you know, constantly like you do, is there, I mean, is there a process to it or do you start somewhere or are you working on several things at once or like what happens when you, you know, like, I mean, you, oh, go ahead, please. I know I just asked you like 20 questions. <laughs> well, I, I guess kind of the, the most important thing to answer that is that I'm very lucky in that I just, I have never had anything closely resembling writer's block. Like, mm. I feel like for, for me, ideas, there's just a river of ideas flowing and I just dip my bucket in whenever I want and I'm good to go, which I feel very fortunate for. It, it's been a, a, its own struggle over the years of the, the, the counterpart of that is that also means you have to let thousands of ideas just flow down the river away from you and be okay with that <laughs> <laughs> right. um but uh so yeah like i you know i i never have that problem but um yeah usually i kind of start with you know it it leads me i suppose mm -hmm. like i'll start i'll load up a, a sound that i think i'm going to use and i think that i'm looking for a sound and then as i'm testing out that sound i'll find like a chord that inspires me and all of a sudden oh wait i'm not searching for a sound now all of a sudden i'm doing a chord progression and i worry about the sound later and it just kind of evolves and builds and kind of presents itself to you i, I mean i know it can start to talking about music i mean you you can be very nuts and bolts about it but it also can get kind of uh pretentious and and artsy sounding but you know it is it is a very kind of esoteric process i mean you are like playing god and creating something where there was nothing but um wow so it's it's a little bit hard to to articulate that without sounding like a douche but right right no no um, <laughs> it totally gets into the woo woo realm because because it is just like well, where does that come from? It's like, well, I don't know. I guess it is just some divine thing that happens within. 
I don't know. But that's, it's true. Like anybody who creates and knows, like if you're like, especially when you get into that flow, like flow state is what they're Mm -hmm. calling it now. But when you get into this flow state where like time and space and everything around you, like your hunger, your basic bodily functions become irrelevant and you're just laser focused into something that you're not sure what it is, but it's, it's happening. So you're on it. Um, those are incredible moments. And uh, so, so is that happened to you? So it seems like that's just where you live. You just live yeah, in, yeah, kinda. <laughs> in a, in a fl- So you could just turn it on and off at will. Well, I think a big part of it is just, I've just listened to so, like, I don't have specific genre tastes. Like, I, I, you know, people always say, oh, I listen to everything. And then you look at their playlist and it's like, they listen to four things. <laughs> but I really, I really do, like, listen to everything. And so there's just, you know, things kind of trigger, you know, maybe I'll be like thinking I'm writing an or like an orchestral thing. And so I'll have like some strings that I'm programming and all of a sudden I'll just be like, Oh, if I'd like put some like, just like overdrive on the string thing that I'm doing and like loop it all of a sudden I'm like a badass hip hop thing. So let's just (laughs) forget Lord of the Rings. I thought I was doing Lord of the Rings, but it turns out that I'm doing this other thing. And so all of a sudden, you know, it just, you just kind of follow it. Like it's, yeah. it's this balance of like leading and following and, you know, it's sculpting in the way that like sometimes you're adding clay, sometimes you're, most of the time you're taking it away. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of just being open. I, I yeah. feel like not having such an agenda is kind of how you get shit done. Gotcha. Um, which I think some people work very well that way. Some people, that is a recipe for disaster where they have to have like a set goal that they're trying to accomplish. Right. Um, but I find that just frust- frustrates me because even if I set a goal, like I'm so tangent focused that like I'll never get there. I'll get somewhere else just as quickly. But mm-hmm. like I, I, I do better just kind of following my muse, whatever, whatever that is. Yeah, I, I think I think a very important thing is to point out there is the the getting out of your own way, um, letting you might have an idea where you wanted what you started you started somewhere, and uh, not letting it finish where it wants to is only f- can frustrate you because because I mean I, I mean I'm sure you've done it. I'm, this is how you learned how to follow it. I'm sure you like went against this instinct and you were like no but this is what i'm doing i'm doing this and you just wouldn't allow it to go another direction am i right or have you always just been yeah yeah i mean so yeah i mean i used to produce a lot of uh music for people and there was a while that that was probably what i would have like defined my job as as a producer um but i I really feel but i've had the i just i don't it's not my strong suit to like serve somebody else's vision. (laughs) And that I completely understand is like not, you know, (laughs) that's certainly not a flex. Like Mm. (laughs) it is, it is something that I kind of wish I was better at, but I think, you know, I'll be like producing somebody else's thing. I'm like, Oh, it would be so great if it went here instead. And that's not at all what they're trying to accomplish. (laughs) And I've kind of got, I kind of got away from it just because like, again, like, 
do you try and do the thing you're supposed you think you're supposed to do and just endlessly frustrate yourself or do you like follow your own truth and and you know try and find success doing what you're actually into and so that's kind of why I stepped away from doing the producing stuff and just you know I work on I I don't know I I mean it's I I I do better just kind of following my own nonsense around the house like I, I wish I wish I was not that person sometimes, but you know, there's always the balance of trying to be the best version of yourself and also accepting yourself for who you are. And I'm that's I guess kind of the balance I'm trying to to strike there. No, I, but, I feel you. I, and I'm in the same boat, man. Just trying to like, I'm just trying to go with the flow at this point. I'm not trying like I don't want to be a damn for myself or for the ones I love in life. So I'm just trying to go with it. I'm trying to understand how it works and I'm getting better at understanding how my creativity works, but I'm still just trying to figure it out. I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, I've been asking this. This is a new question and um, it's a little, it's fun and it kind of, it kind of informs you a little about yourself and lets the audience kind of understand who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so bear with me. <laughs> this is a new, new thing I'm adding into. Oh, let's, let's, let's get weird. <laughs> let's get weird. Let's get weird. <laughs> I've been, uh, so this, this comes from a, um, it's not too weird. I mean, it, it, it's fun. It, it honestly, it's fun. And, and it, it's from this writer named Neil Strauss who, uh, he writes for Rolling Stone. He's written a couple books. He wrote, uh, famously, I guess, he wrote books with Motley Crue and Marilyn Manson. Um, their books, their like autobiographies mm-hmm. or whatever. So, uh, but he also did this thing called the Game. He wrote this book called the Game, where he embeds himself in a, um, in a, I don't know, like a cult of pickup artist. And it's basically he goes and learns how to be a pickup artist because he he traveled with all these bands and never could get laid. And he's just this Mm. dorky little like, you know, intelligent writer guy who. So he went and embedded himself and and ended up being like one of the top players in the game. And so this is just one of the things he would use. This is just one of the methods he would use um, to try to fuck girls. But, uh, <laughs> but I thought it was interesting. And also, I like that he incorporated it into his interviews with like hard guests because he's interviewed like Courtney Love and uh, Britney Spears. And these are very protected and guarded people, you know, just, I mean, uh, notoriously guarded people. And he was able to sort of break these walls <laughs> with this question, honestly, which is, I think is amazing. And so it's a three-parter. And I'm sorry it took us so long just to get to the question, but I'm I'm honestly trying to give credit to him so it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like I'm trying to take his thing. So that's all I'm doing. Um, <laughs> okay, so if you had to choose one quality in your life that made life worth living uh, or worthwhile, what would it be? And this could be tangible, intangible. Um, I think generosity. Generosity. I, 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 yeah, I think, you know, as as much as I'm always, you know, trying to, to hustle and chase success, like doing things for people is where you really kind of feel the best and also accomplish the best things, I think. That's and uh, so generosity, I would say. So if you had that in your life, if you had more generosity, if you found this generous place where you're helping people and there's this great balance of, of, you know, helping people and your work and, and one thing's influencing the other. 
um, what what would that kind of allow you to do in your life? Um, I don't know. I think it's it's easy to kind of look at the world and and be uh, a little bit bummed about the state of things, especially these days. And I <laughs> I also feel like you know on an individual level, like you know, there's people that listen to music I create, and like maybe it makes them a little happier for that moment or whatever, but I don't really feel like I'm, I'm making a, a, a real kind of tangible difference in the world. You know, I, I mean, I guess just by like trying to be a positive force in general, you kind of just increase the positive energy or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I would probably participate in more kind of altruistic endeavors, you know, working, especially with the homeless. I get so bummed out about the homeless in San Diego and, and how many kids you see, like children down on 17th Street and stuff. And uh, I wish I wish I could do something, but like I literally feel like I'm so on the edge a lot of the time that like if I spent time helping them, I would just join them. Like I, yeah, you'd be there. <laughs> I'm fighting my own form of homelessness, <laughs> and I, I wish that you know. I definitely think if, if money were money is such a drag, man. It's just sure. it's, I find it to be really, really annoying. It's, it's such an inconvenience. It really it's is. just it's something. It's not a motivator for me. Like I'm not that motivated, you know. At, at its like basic thing, like it doesn't take much to make me happy, and I spend so much time having to think about it. Mm. Um, yeah, totally. And it, yeah. And so yeah, if if money was not a thing, I think I would definitely. I would just want to kind of try to help. I mean, problem solving, that's kind of (laughs) bring that back around. Like I see problems and I want to to try and help. And sometimes I, I feel trapped in my, you know, this cage I've designed for myself that uh, some of the things that are important to me in life, I don't actually get to do because I'm just in survival mode so often. Yeah, no, for sure, man. So if you did have, if you were able to spread this generosity, if you did have all the money that you wanted uh, and you were able to kind of like do the things you wanted to help your community, to help your fellow human beings, you know, and like have a great balance with your, your life and success and stuff, what, what is the feeling? What is that raw feeling that makes you feel? Um... If you had all of it, the way that yeah, you had, the perfect I, I guess, picture in I your guess, head. I guess peace. Peace. Like, I really think, you know, just not, you know, I I'm, I wouldn't say anxiety is really my bag, but um, I definitely, I think I've, I've lived with so much stress that I've kind of almost become numb to it. But I, I once in a while, get just a little... You know, when I'm not thinking about any of the things that I have to do and I'm not doing or any of the bills that need to be paid and aren't paid, if, like I have these moments where you just you you see the trees and hear the birds and feel the wind and like you're like, oh, right. I'm like a being on this plane that is, you know, part of this energy that it kind of makes us all the same. And then it's fleeting. But I wish I could just be in that place more that I could, you know, kind of realize that existence is kind of its own thing that we're all kind of either making ourselves numb to or we're trying to enhance or forget about and just not kind of being when when that is 
that's the thing. And, and it's just becoming more and more apparent now as we start to kind of separate ourselves into categories and teams and sides. And, and it's just, we're, I mean, not to get too like hippie, but we're all just like the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, no, it, I don't think that, I think that what's great about these days is that this like science and like this woo woo shit are kind of starting. They're kind of starting to see them. I mean, just because of science and what it is and how rigid it is of the process is like they can't fully accept it, but they are starting to explore it more, you know, because there is something to be said about, you know, finding peace within yourself and, and you know, pursuing things and, and like life turns, you know, like just certain things that turn your life in a, the slightest direction that took you to where you are now, you know, like all these little things that sort of seem all connected, but not, but not really. And, and you know, it's like your problems are my problems, you know, like you, mm-hmm. it's just, we are of the same Petri dish that is the planet Earth. We all are from the same fucking materials. You know, like we all yeah. came from this. Everything that we're building on this fucking planet is all of the planet. So it's like, wh- why are we hating each other? But like you said, right. you constantly have to remind yourself because you have to remind yourself that you are, but you participate in this thing called life in this plane of existence and that you know you have to remind yourself that people these are our fellow human beings not enemies of who live next door you know it's like you constantly have to find reminders and the positivity and and life and 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 people or else what you see on the news if that's what informs you then that's <laughs> then that's a very yeah I, I i think it's like it's important for just so many reasons to realize that we're like part of a whole, like we are not the whole and you know, we're part of this thing. And, and I really like when I am in that place, like it's a happy place to be, to kind of not be the center of your own universe and just realize that you are just, I mean, there's, that takes a lot of weight off your shoulders to not be the one responsible for like everything to, to realize that you're just this little, I mean, not to like undersell it, but this little like insignificant piece of of this puzzle, right. and there's like peace in there, and it's maybe a little counter counterintuitive because we put so much like self importance on or you know importance on like the individual, mm-hmm. and and I we have so much like you know negative emotions, so much anger and hate and depression and all these things and i think I think a lot of that is just putting too much too much pressure on being you know this individual thing when we're just this little we're a little sliver of of something bigger and i and when I get to that place it's it's a better place to be it's just it's doesn't seem that way when you're when you're not there i guess yeah so yeah, and you know everybody has their limitations and what they can take in life. You know, like they, you can only take so much shit before you start being like, "Fuck, dude! Like, what the fuck is this really all about?" Yeah, man. Like, just just seeing yourself as a whole and not as this like one person whose world the world revolves around them. And the problem is with the internet and social media is that it exacerbates the individual. Like, you know, what I mean, like. Because yeah. we're only putting our best images and best parts of our lives to the public, and this is all that what people see, these are creating expectations and, and you know, things that people are, like, becoming envious of is because, 
you know, because you, you're, you're posting this thing with your wife and, you know, you guys are kissing and you look so fucking happy and they're the couple that everyone wants to be, but really they haven't fucked each other in like three years. Their kids all hate them and they're on the verge of bankruptcy and divorce. So, you know, it's just like we, we, we as, uh, uh, as, as people, as humans have sort of, ex- <laughs> we sort of fucking fucked our way into this box and mm-hmm. and now we're just sort of trying to figure out how to get out of it without it enclosing on us. I mean, I mean, we we definitely made it possible, so we never really have to leave our fucking house and associate with people. And there's days that for me too, I'll just be in my hole where my only conversation is with a four year old, and then I have to go <laughs> and talk to strangers like uh, you know other musicians or who other parents and you kind of have to slip back into this mode of, 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 of socializing because it's yeah. so easy for me to just, I mean, especially for me anyways, because I'm just that kind of person who wants to be, who likes to sequester themselves. I enjoy mm-hmm. that. I look forward to those days in the week where it's like, Oh yes, I don't have to leave the house at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's yeah. Like a kind big... of embracing the introversion. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. I, and I think that's uh, that's uh, that's another part of it is like being an introvert is somehow the wrong way to be. And I don't know, like why it's like no, it's not. It's just another way of being. It's not. Uh, anyway, I, I know <laughs> that was good. I liked I liked how that went. Can you think of a can you think of a time that uh, you were wronged or or you did something wrong. I don't want to call it failed because you didn't fail anything. But like, have you ever, um, uh, have you ever been like super wronged or felt like wronged? And this could be in life or in music. Um, and uh, and then how did you handle? Like, what happened? If you want to talk about it. Um, if not, that's again we can move on. And then how did you handle it? And did you learn something from it? Um, can you think of a time? Um, I mean, there was, there was a reggae band that I was in for a long time that, that the, the, the guy in charge of it was hard to love. Um, <laughs> he was a complicated, he was a complicated guy and, uh, but he's probably talented, probably you, you yeah, could see the yeah. talent you could see that he, he had it, but, and he would just, he, I mean, there would be times that, you know, it was great. And then like, if you, if he wanted to do some free show up in Orange County and, and I didn't want to do it, he would just flip out. <laughs> and, and I tried for the longest time to do what I thought was the right thing, which was like, stand my ground, but also like, let it go. Like forgiveness seems like really important, both for like your own health and just for like kind of the world being a better place. Mm. And, uh, so that went on for a long time and, and eventually I had to just like shut it down and just like not be a part of that. And that was the only time I've ever d- done that really. Like that's not my thing is to just like eventually kind of like ghost people or just, I mean, I didn't really like ghost them, but like I try and like work things out. I try and be, you know, kind of the, the mature, <laughs> take, take kind of the mature thing of like, let's talk about this. Let's, you know, get it worked out. Let's, you know, resolve it, forgive it, and, and move on. And it's kind of, I think, been important for me to, to realize that there's some things that can't be fixed and you just have to kind of, sometimes you just have to let things go, not in the uh, forgiveness way, but like just not have this, ne- these negative people in your life, which 
I try and I try and use that very sparingly. I think you can go too far where, you know, if that's your first line of defense is to just cut people out of your life. I think that's definitely not the way to go. But mm. to to kind of not beat myself up about maybe removing myself from a situation that's just probably not going to get any better. Yeah. Um, no, and, and I think well, that's yeah. a, that's a form of protecting yourself as well because like you're you're obviously there's some kind of suffering going on within you, and I know suffering's a big word to use for <laughs> you. I'm big as in like contextually, but I'm saying like you know you're you have some kind of suffering that you're dealing with by being associated with this artist and and sometimes it, you can you can try to take the higher road you can be the bigger person but sometimes the highest road is just walking away so you don't murder them or you know hate them right forever. or 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 like take that baggage and start ruining other relationships yes, because yes, you're carrying this weight around and yes that and thing, that's so. something that I've had to really learn how to do is let shit go and that's like so hard for me because like I'm very quick to just like a burst of anger. I'm upset, and now everyone around me has to be upset, and now and now the whole house is upset, and and it's just and, destructive. Yeah. And the end result is everything is slightly worse. You, yeah, exactly, when, everything yeah. is slightly worse. Nothing goes back the way it was was before you started opening. Well, before I opened my fucking big ass mouth, or did whatever the fuck I thought I needed to do in that moment. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've burned so many bridges just being fucking irate and just impatient and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I wanted to um, I wanted to talk about the album that you were on with my wife, uh, Raina, uh, mm-hmm. which which you got you got the pleasure of writing on. I know she had a question she wanted me to ask was if uh, <laughs> in the recording session. Uh, did you notice a difference in sound? I guess the outcome in sound from the first session to the second session. That's her question. So we'll start with her question. Um, I mean, I know for myself uh, that first session. I mean, it just it kicked my ass in a way I had not been kicked in a long time. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I showed up and was was gonna play on. Uh, I guess it's Jake Major's drum set that was set up in in the studio already. Right. And like third, I mean, if you would take everything about my style and and the instrument that I usually, you know, the way I usually have my drums and stuff, and just flip it to the polar opposite, that's what this <laughs> drum set was. <laughs> so which starting is not, off, you, you yeah, it's have. not an indictment. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not like an indictment of the way he had it, but like. You know the drums that the bottom heads are off. It's everything's like super dry. It, it was totally like a 1970s sound, like mm-hmm. just in the room. Um, and so, like literally between the time that I like checked the the drums and the first song, I had to like completely <laughs> become a different person <laughs> and come up with all new things to play and new ways to play them. And I just, I literally had like 15 minutes to reinvent myself <laughs> as wow. a musician. Um, and it, it was a great challenge. Like I started to realize, Oh yeah, my entire bag of fills like don't work because it's just, they don't sound right on this instrument. Like the, what this instrument wants you to play as a fill is just like boom, 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 yeah. and that's what's that. 
and it sounded great. Like I, I would never play that fill because it doesn't sound the way it's supposed to on my drums mm -hmm. or any drums I've ever played on. But if you get these like drums that are from the seventies, tuned like the seventies, everything's about, and then you play a seventies drum fill, all of a sudden you're like, oh. That's why all these guys played that a million times because yeah. it sounds awesome on these. <laughs> no, you're absolutely um, right. And like yeah. you and, and and I'm sorry just to interrupt you for a second, but just <laughs> listening to the recordings and shit, you're absolutely right. Like I, I noticed those boom boom boom. Like I noticed <laughs> that like it stuck out very much to me and how beautiful they sound. Just I mean that's capture and the instrument itself and of course the player. But it, it, you know like you're you're absolutely right. And now that you're pointing it out, it just highlights in my brain why that picks out to me. But oh please go ahead. I mean what was there And and kind of the 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 other thing to just take the impossible and, and make it that much more complicated is that, you know, we're all recording in the same room. And so while I'm doing all this, I also need to do it as literally as quietly as possible because the entire rest of the band is 10 feet away recording live to like tape, which is not cheap. No. And so, you know, I, yeah, it was just, and you know, I, I'm a pretty dynamic player. Like I've, I've done lots of restaurant gigs, so I can play quietly, but like, um it was just it's one more yeah so it's just one more thing to sort of and, and just sort of so people understand what you what you worked into for the first session now is that Raina had this idea where she was like everybody just has to be in the room and feel each other but not necessarily even hear each other no one has headphones all you're hearing is the raw instruments kind of <laughs> right so, but the end result the end result should sound like a studio multi-track thing so we were going for like no bleed in the mics <laughs> even though we're like standing next to right. each other and we accomplished it mm. like <laughs> no for sure <laughs> we soloed like if like on playback if you solo the channel like there's no drums in the vocal mic. Like, how it's, is this a thing? <laughs> it's pretty clean. Yeah, and, and Tim, Tim Felton of The Kitchen, too. I got to give a shout-out because I love Tim. And I love the Soulfire, or the Surefire Soul Ensemble. Or wait, what is it? The sure Yeah, that's thing? it. Okay. I love his band. I love all the shit that he churns out of his, his studio. So, like, big shout-out. Oh, and by the way, 1018, which is Random Mystique's new album, is going to be out one, uh, January 4th. So... Just a little plug for the album that Phil will be <laughs> featured on as the amazing drummer. Uh, so, so that so you're you're fighting all these things. Plus, you can't hear anybody really what's going on. How did that work? I was just always curious. Like, how were you, what were you listening to? What did you lock in to sort of like stay in with everybody? Um, I mean, you know, I'm I'm trying to make sure I can kind of hear the bass or. You know, I'm kind of watching the bass players like fingers. That was that was oh, Kyle wow. on the on the first one, um, and uh, you know, kind of watching Raina both for you know song form, but also just you know just vibe, I guess. Trying to like stay in in whatever pocket she's kind of trying to create. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it was just leading. Like hmm. that's kind of my default. Is like. If I can't follow, I'll just lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, it's like, I know um, the song. I'm just going to, we're going, bitches. <laughs> yeah, and so that's kind of, you know, a lot of that, I kind of, you know, when I was like a, first starting out and before I knew anything about like 
you know, how you really do multi-tracking and stuff. Like I used to try and like lay down the drums first with no scratch tracks. So mm. I would like play along to like the song in my head, basically, mm. which I can't really even imagine. That would be, that would just suck. <laughs> 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 but, you know, and so, you know, there was a little bit of that muscle memory kind of coming back mm. of just, you know, these songs. Cause at that first session, they were like songs we, you know, performed out. Like they were songs that were kind of in there. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you guys and so, all, you know, yeah. I'm just kind of playing to the song in my head with like getting kind of guidelines from, you know, what I see in the room and the little bit that I hear. Wow. And uh, it worked out with the exception of like one mistake that, that kind of got, you know, but it got edited fixed, it, 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 it guess, out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even though which is overstating it, it really just one track got muted for like a moment because right. there's not really like a lot of editing and stuff on this. I no, mean, it's very no. much a live kind of live in the studio record. But yes, exactly. And which which she was going for, and and like I'm going to be honest with you, I was rallying against her method. Um, not the live capture, more or less. Like you should probably have headphones on everybody. And she was very adamant about not doing that. And, and and I'm not really sure why, but the end result is beautiful. I, I love what she did out there with you guys. I, I just, you know, because you know, I, I contributed a few songs on the album as well. So it's nice to see these songs take a different turn than what I even intended them for. Um, so that, that to me is awesome. I love seeing that. I love seeing like things that you write, go take a whole nother life form. Like, mm -hmm. like you guys took it to a whole nother level that I wasn't even thinking on, you know? So like, that's what I really appreciated about the whole thing. But, but yeah, I was very against not yeah. <laughs> the musicians not being able to hear each other, but the end result is awesome, and I love what she came up with. So then, what what did you notice from the, from the first session to the second session? Like, what what helped, What changed for you? Uh, what uh, what what was it going into it? Well, the the second session, like I knew what to expect, and mm -hmm. so like I had embraced it, and you know, so I was you know excited about just. I kind of was happy with the way the first one turned out, and so I was like, all right, I know how to like do this, and so. I know how to play his drum set and make it sound good and, and was able to kind of double down on kind of the change in my technique. Um, and I'm super, like some of the stuff I played on there, even though it sounds like I'm not hardly doing anything, it's the not hardly doing anything that's like <laughs> really kind of the eye-opening thing for me. Well, no, but, I, just, just again, I'm going to interrupt. I'm sorry, please hold your spot. But like, for example, I see it in two years which is a very simple boom 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 and you are playing this like super like simple thing but like i feel like that's not as simple as it seems <laughs> no it's it's like one of the hardest things I've, <laughs> yeah it's it's weird how like when you really take you know because there's no i think what makes it so difficult is it's so exposed at that point like there's no room for anything but like perfection and like near perfection. You can practice a lot and get to actual perfection is like very elusive. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, like I felt really prepared for all that, but then we were doing songs that she had written on the road <laughs> that we hadn't practiced. Yeah. Ever. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we can't make it too easy. And so for no, that, after we did the first couple of takes, I'm like, all right, I can't really wear headphone headphones because I need to like really hear this instrument the way it is in the room. So I did the one ear headphone mm. thing after the first couple takes. Right. 
just so I could, because I don't have these songs. You know, I listened to the demos and was like prepared, but right. like, you know, I, I I did need to like hear a little bit of the bass and stuff, and uh, so that definitely helped. But well, yeah, and yeah, then- that, sec- that second session was a blast because it, you know, it was all the all the joyful parts of the first one without that like opening trepidation trepidation of like, uh oh, yeah. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? Right, you're just like, oh. Fuck. Yeah, no, because, uh, well, and then on the second session, um, you were allowed to have headphones. The drummer was allowed to have headphones. Only yeah. the drummer, though. So, <laughs> so, but, I mean, I feel like that alone had to at least fucking give you a little more cohesion and, 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 and give you a little bit more confidence, even though you're, like, t- tackling new things, uh, new songs that... Honestly, you guys all sort of arranged in the studio, which I yeah, I, I just met the bass player like five <laughs> minutes before we started too. Exactly, like, which which is a testament to musicians, you know, like who are just good at what they do. Is like they can just meet somebody and be like, all right, let's go make an album. <laughs> it's like all right, um, no, like she, uh, I, I feel. Well, I just wanted to back up for one second. It's like, I, I say this a lot, but I like to ingrain this in anybody who's listening. Don't write in the studio. Don't pay to arrange and write in the studio. <laughs> Raina was only doing this because of just because this is how it had to be. And that's fine. You know, like you got to do what you got to do. And that's fine. Uh, but I generally, and she knows this too, but again, this was just how it had to be. Um, you know, arrange, get your shit done. I would even go as far as to say, if you have a shitty recorder, maybe fucking demo that shit out before you go <laughs> to the studio. Right. Maybe get an exact idea of what you want, and if there's room for exploration and you have money for that, do it by all means. But always have your shit in one sock before you hit the studio. If you know, if you're paying out of pocket, and you know, I mean, studios very rarely uh well uh labels i should say you know a lot a lot of labels now are like you gotta record it yourself i I think tim has like his label pays for half of the production cost and he has to pay Mm. for the other half but they pay for all the pressing and stuff so you know yeah that's the big one anyways no no it was uh i'm 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 really happy about the album i don't know like were were you happy about it like are you happy how it all came out yeah i mean it's uh it's I think the novel part to me is that like if I if I was like in a coma and came out with like amnesia, I would recognize like every record that I played on as being me, I think. Hmm. But probably not this one. Like oh, wow. <laughs> like it's just so far from what I would normally do. And it's I mean, that's like the great part about it, like to is kinda open my eyes to be like you know, I feel like I'm this very versatile player, but all of a sudden, like, I just, there's this whole other thing that I never even, like, did um, that I can add. And I've, I've added some of it. Like, I've, I've taken some of, of my style that I kind of, you know, <laughs> fell into yeah. in the moment and added it to, like, the, the permanent toolbox because it's, I, I liked it so much. Um, so it was, you know, this big kind of growing and learning experience that I was not, you know, expecting to be there. Like, I just thought this was, oh, yeah, we're just going to go in and, you know, this should be super easy because we're doing it live. Like, right. you know, I can keep time and, and I know what I'm doing. So, like, this is going to be like the easiest thing in and out, you know, wham, bam, thank you, man, on to the next. But it, it turned out to be this like 
slightly life-changing thing. Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> that might be that might be a little overstating it, but it definitely is like, you know, something that's going to stick with me as far as the process and 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 kind of thinking about the instrument you're playing um, from a different perspective, I guess. That's interesting. That and that's great. That's great that you were able to take this and turn it into a learning experience and take that information and apply it in other places. It's like that's like it's like it's it's just like if that's 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 life, right? Like th- I think like th- I think people need to be open to that is like being able to see the relative relativity in things, see how like this lesson over here can may affect this it's like you should be just i i think it's just i'll, I'll go into that being open to new yeah. situations new new experiences and stuff so what do you got going on right now man like what did you what what kind of active are what projects are you active in like what are you recording anything with any bands or what, what do you what are you doing right now uh we just finished up uh, the the band that i met on craigslist when i first moved here the donis trio that's called we just finished our third full-length album uh we we uh, recorded that over at Lost Ark in okay. uh, Pacific Beach. Yeah, with uh, with uh, Mike Butler behind the behind the boards, and uh, that's a nice studio. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool spot, and uh, that was definitely that was I believe like the thing that I did after the the second session with Reina, mm-hmm. and uh, you can definitely hear some of that influence. Like I, we track that pretty quietly even though we didn't have to i was like in my own room that's like bigger than my house but like (laughs) i still played it quiet because i liked like kind of the intimate you know intimate when we were listening to play but playback on 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 that one especially on the donis trio stuff like are you familiar with the uh, ASMR at all? The auto sensory yeah, meridian response people are just like yeah. squishing um, putty yeah. or cutting stuff. Like there was like a you know I'm not like I don't know that much about that. There was like some of the stuff just something about playing drums lightly and quietly was creating like this little like pleasant little like buzzing in my ear holes that <laughs> I don't think would have been there if you know if I played the same thing at like a normal volume. So there was kind of the theme of playing quietly kind of carried over and uh i think everybody followed my lead and so it's it's kind of a it's not like a record of like slow ballads but it we recorded it all very quietly and it definitely affects the mood of the whole thing which is kind of cool but uh so anyway that that comes out march 1st um just finalizing the artwork and stuff on that did you guys and, have uh, you guys released any singles yet no, I think uh, I think after the new year, I think he's going to put out uh, like one a month or something. I think he's going to do one in January and, and one in February, and uh, so that's something to look out for. And and that band that that band does pretty well. We've we've got uh, off that first record, we had some some little minor or a little minor hit, at least a hit for for us. That's done. I think it has it's passed like two million plays on Spotify, and I think oh, it has wow. thirty, yeah, like thirty million on Pandora and and stuff. So what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that, isn't that weird? Isn't that so weird to just like just this this thing that you did then is just sort of, what what kind of what what did he do to sort of did was he marketing that or is that something that happened very organically? Um, I mean, it was in a. a it had a, a big spot in a TV show ah. um, in the, uh, the the American version of this British show called Skins. Mm. Um, it was, you know, 
in in those hour long dramas, they often will like towards the end of it, they'll have like the big kind of moment where like a song will just play while like the emotional content like resonates on the screen. So it was that song. Um, and so, you know, it was really kind of heavily featured and that, that played a big part. Wow. That's awesome. Um, That's so cool. And that was just from you guys uh, submitting it to a website. Like what did you guys, um, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't right remember. on, whatever. It, so, do you get? Does that band tour at all, or what? Do you, is that um, pretty... not much? I mean, we do usually a couple things in the summer, um, but um, you know, we're all kind of busy. It's it's kind of. I mean, he definitely Nate uh, definitely identifies more. I think as a songwriter than anything else, and so like that's the part that he seems interested in, and the rest is stuff that he maybe like puts up with, like. <laughs> I think I think if we could find a way to like just record music and put it out and not have to do shows, he'd probably be okay with that for the most part. But so we play a little bit. Um, but I mean, it's been you know we've been putting out music fairly steadily for you know the better part of a decade and a half, I think. So yeah, um, that's awesome. But it's uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of the next thing I got coming out after. After what's it called? 18, 10, 18, 19, 10, 18. 18. Yeah. Um, so what, and then, uh, do you have, would you ever plan on doing like your own music album, like something that you would want to just release, you know, just for the public, not for selling or anything? Is that something that you'd be? Um, yeah, I mean, I've dabbled in some of that and I, uh, I actually just did my first gig uh, a couple nights ago doing playing keys and lead vocals for, for Chris Corp, like a, corporate christmas party kind of thing so phil you you have those you have pipes too well you know i (laughs) i uh what i have is fearlessness when you put an instrument in front of me that's what i okay fair enough i like that that that's a good way to end actually let's let's end it with with fearless phil in front of his (laughs) (laughs) i love it man so how can people i mean like how can people get a hold of you if they want to hire you for whatever? I mean, like, what? I mean, how how do people get a hold of you? How do people? Yeah, I mean, I've got uh, I got a little website up at philwoodring.com that you know you can contact me through that and check out. I'm not super great about updating it, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just found out I have sub- I, I just found out I have subscribers uh, through yeah. my website when we went. Like for the like a newsletter thing yeah 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 like, subscribers yeah. for my newsletter for the podcast i have several of them that just been just because i don't update my fucking website that often but yeah i'm yeah. so sorry to interrupt I, I no it's just it's one of those things if you ever see me update my website you know that i don't have much going on <laughs> <laughs> now now the now the the jig is up every time i see a new video on ig i would be like oh phil he must be you must be bored. <laughs> I love that. Oh, uh, okay. So, so you just funnel them through there, and then you have a YouTube channel that does well, right? I, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. I, I put up some uh, some covers that have just been up there long enough that they've got you know hundreds of thousands of views, but it's not you know. And I've, I've, I don't know, a lot, most of that stuff is kind of linked through the website, so cool. you can kind of, it's kind of, that's what I've tried to use my website as, it's kind of a, an aggregate for all the different things that I do, because it's, it gets a little spread out, and, and uh, you know, it's hard to kind of 
<laughs> it's hard to kind of keep it all together. No, so. I, I understand, man. I understand. No, that's perfect. And, and like that's a, that's actually good advice too. Is having people filter through your website because that's your content. So anything you put on your website is yours. Anything you put on YouTube, Facebook, IG, which is I know you use a you use a lot, and well, YouTube you use for your YouTube channel and stuff. But but like filtering people through your content that is yours solely. Uh, as opposed to content that you put on IG and Facebook and YouTube, which becomes like something else. It becomes theirs in a part. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's just one of the things that I've learned is like filtering through your website is always the best way to get people to, I don't know, just, just for metrics sake, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but Yeah, uh, no, I mean, that's, it's, that's the only people you get to keep because, uh, yeah. you know, when you and YouTube break up, YouTube keeps all your friends. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, YouTube. I'm done. <laughs> done with you, YouTube. All right, Phil, dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sitting down and talking with me and being open and stuff about, you know, all the things you do. And, you know, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. No problem, man. That's how long it's been. Thank you, Phil Woodring, for coming on the show. He was a great guest and uh, super interesting, the shit that he does and what he knows. It, it, it always blows my mind how these guys work, the ones that just keep constantly shitting out <laughs> content. It's a, it's a challenge, man, especially with today's environment of content infinite content i think that's what johnny hollywood savage called it anyways thank you guys very much for listening uh go to philwoodring.com that's f i oh my god <laughs> sorry phil that is not f <laughs> let's try that again it's p h i l w o o d r i n g.com philwoodring.com like you said he doesn't really update all that much so i don't know but i guess you can find them on the facebook and the ig and all that good stuff i'll put all those links in the show notes also he plays on my wife's new album random mystique's new album 1018 out this friday folks two days from now january 4 2019 it's random mystique in the dynasty 1018 it's amazing those intro and outro songs um in two years those that's off the album phil our guest today plays on that album and uh i couldn't be happier to know him and talk to him and have him a part of our musical family so everybody go out it'll be available for physical copies stream uh you can go to rainmystique.com get get all get all that information from there it's r-e-i-n-a-m-y-s-t-i-q-u-e.com that's right go check it out also while you're out there <laughs> why don't you just stop by the wespeakenglishgood.net and check out the new updated website yes that is right folks the up the the update has been websited okay the website has been updated 
you know what's funny it's like i wouldn't drink coffee between the first between the intro and this outro and it's a completely different vibe i can already feel it uh leave a review on itunes uh or stitcher or wherever you get your uh, your 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 podcast share uh, write the show at we speak english good at gmail.com let us know what you think and how you feel all right guys i'll see you guys next week i hope that everybody had a safe and and happy new year's happy new year everybody it's 2019 we made it holy shit and if you made it this far well you made it this far all right guys take care of your fellow human beings hjs for everybody bye i'll see you on the other side Fresh.